Yo, 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 Jason Bay here. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. You can call me J-Bay. And this podcast is for sales reps and sales teams that love landing big meetings with prospects, but they've heard of this thing called video prospecting. And what they hate with video is when they go to send a video to a prospect, they're not quite sure what to say, or they're kind of intimidated by this whole video thing. So if that's you and you've ever experienced that before, you're definitely listening to the right podcast. You're in the right place. Let's get to the show today. Video. So you've probably talked to some reps or seen people on LinkedIn talking about video, or maybe heard of it, and you may or may not have tried it. And one of the things that I am really passionate about is like adding visual elements to our prospecting to spice it up a little bit, right? Prospects are used to getting cold emails with words, and some of them are very long. They're used to getting voicemails and all this other stuff, but you know, video is kind of a pattern interruption, right? And if you're not using video right now, you could very much be leaving some big opportunities on the table. So what we're going to talk about today with Tyler Lessard, he is the VP of marketing at Vidyard. So one of my favorite tools to use for video. Uh, what we're going to be digging into is really everything video. And the reason why I wanted to get Tyler on is because Vidyard is just doing some really cool things in the space. They've been around for a while. They're kind of the OGs of video. I use their platform personally. I've also jammed with Tyler on a lot of content. And I really respect this guy and what he has to say about video and prospecting and all that other stuff. So what we're going to dig into today is sort of the why behind video. Is it just this shiny object and this thing that's a fad or is it around to stay? He's got some very strong opinions on that. We're going to give you some really practical tips on how to use video, both for prospecting and selling. He's got a ton of great ideas, a couple that I took away that I thought were really cool. One of them I'll give away. And it's actually using video to reduce the dependency on sales calls. So how can you speed up the sales cycle between your sales calls by sending them videos? He's got some really cool stuff to share there. And what we're really going to talk about is the message in the video too. Like how can we really deliver a compelling message? Because if you've used video before, you know it's not a cure-all. You can't just send videos and expect them to work. The messaging's got to be great too. So this is going to be a really fun one. I'm super excited for you to listen to the interview with Tyler. Before we get into that, one quick favor I have is if you enjoy this podcast, I would love a review. Um, I want to continue getting on great guests like Tyler, and it really helps the show get in front of more people exactly like yourself. So please check it out on iTunes, Blissful Prospecting. Scroll to the bottom there. Leave a short, quick, honest review. It would mean a lot to me. Let's get to the interview. So I have to ask, with the marketing, because I was looking at your career experience, you did a lot of different stuff, man. It's been a it's been a journey. So, how did you end up getting into marketing? <laughs> it has been a journey. I actually went to university for engineering. Yeah. I'm a graduate of the systems design engineering program from the University of Waterloo. If it hasn't already been obvious to you folks in my first two sentences, I am Canadian, and I'm based just outside of Toronto here in Waterloo, Ontario. And I started as an engineer. And I started my career actually at BlackBerry, which some of you may remember as the inventors of the smartphone category. And uh, I started there as an engineer, actually as a software developer, but I very quickly found that I was not a good software developer and I was much better at working with people at communicating the ideas and values around technology. 
And that led me down a path where I took over uh, and ran more of a developer relations team working with third-party developers, which pushed me into business development and eventually marketing of third-party products. And it all went from there, but it all stemmed from my passion and commitment to being an evangelist, to explaining technologies in different ways and to my, you know, my passion for helping people as opposed to sitting behind a keyboard and coding all day. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is interesting. Do, is there anything like from that background, do you feel that gives you a unique perspective on marketing? Are you more data-driven than maybe other people in that area? Are you not, did you figure out that you weren't a data-driven person or somewhere in between or right. like any, any of that kind of stuff emerge? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a couple things that I've found and, and I think it's relevant to even, you know, everybody here as you think about your own career paths. Yeah. One is, I mean, no question, the foundation that, you know, I was able to build in, you know, technology in general has served me very well in terms of my new world of marketing and all of us, even as sellers, right? We have to be technologists and we have to be able to understand how to use different tools together, how to embrace software, mm -hmm. not just accept it. And, you know, really know how things can work together. And I garnered a lot of experience in that in my early days and have an appreciation at a foundational level for really how software works and how systems can connect together. And, and that's been a real win for my career now as a marketer, because it's absolutely half art, half science. And the science side is something that I've got a great base in. But the other piece of it is as a, a marketer at a technology company. I feel is also where my strength lies because having that foundation and understanding how these systems and products really work, I think gives me a greater understanding of how it is that we can take our own product roadmap, but also how we can find value in different parts of the technology and expose that to our users to promote it in the market and to share it. And again, I think if you're a sales rep, a sales leader, the more that you can understand about your own products and services, like genuinely know how they work and be able to use them yourself, it has such you know, a benefit to how it is that you sell because you can message so much more confidently and not always have to rely back on the product team to say, does this really do that? Or how does that work, right? And those things really matter. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up because it's almost like, you know, if you open a car hood for the first time, you've never messed around with engines, which I know nothing about. <laughs> Every time I open up the hood of the car, I'm like, Okay, I see where the oil goes. <laughs> yeah, it's intimidating too, right? Yeah, it's intimidating. I'm wondering, do you think that, like with video, do you think part of the, and I know you have some stats to share around the adoption, but do you think part of the trouble over the last couple of years with adoption is like sellers have really not had to be super technology oriented right. until like maybe the last two or three years when sales engagement platforms started to be like a you know, kind of table stakes. Yeah. Video is starting to become one of those things that kind of table stakes. Do you think that that's part of it? Because I even see this in younger sellers too. I don't think it's generational necessarily Right. where they're just, it's like a new thing that feels so foreign to them. Yeah. But for someone like you or me to send out a video, it's like, I'd rather do that. It's faster right. for me to send something out like that. What do, you, what do you think it is? Well, for so long, technology was the enemy of sales teams. It was CRM, mm -hmm. right? Like technology for most sellers has been CRM, which... 80% of sellers view as the enemy, not the, uh, not the ally. Yep. And, you know, it's like it's extra work. It's like all these things that don't contribute to my efficiency and effectiveness as a seller. They tend to be viewed more as a necessary evil for managing and reporting and proving my worth in an organization. And um, I think we all need to move past that and understand that there is this incredible new birth of technology for sales that is 100% about empowering about effectiveness about your efficiency and those that you know are gravitating towards those 
are absolutely finding that, oh yeah, wait a minute, this isn't about what my manager wants me to do for tracking. This is about helping me be a incredibly better seller and be better at my job. And that's what things like video are really emerging as. And the best sellers are figuring out how they can tap into that as a new way to stand out with prospects to boost their response rates, as better ways to communicate ideas, as ways to show and tell. And so part of it is just really embracing that notion. And the second challenge, though, is just it's new, yeah. right? We all struggle with adopting new ways to do things. We have processes that we know work and there's a risk involved in saying, I'm going to allocate part of my time to doing something new. And so I think that's where a lot of people struggle as well is just not necessarily knowing how to use it, what to do with it, or whether or not it's going to work. Let's dig into that because I'm curious about your perspective, because one thing that sounds like has been going really well for you guys this year, just from our previous conversation was that, hey, more sales teams are starting to adopt the video in mass. Yeah, They're rolling it out to an entire sales org of hundreds of people. How do you guys help with kind of like the onboarding of that? Because this is the biggest fear I think people have with video is that, like you said, it's a new tool. They've never tried it before. And it feels a lot more complicated than it actually is. Like, what kind of stuff do you guys encounter when yeah. a customer's like, hey, like, let's do this? Is there any sort of stuff you do to make it really easy for their team to just like really start doing it? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I'll answer it in, in a bit of a generalized way, whether you're using Vidyard or anything else, of, of how, how you can get your sales team heading in this direction. So the good news is when we used to work with clients, you know, say two, three years ago, there was both you know, getting their sellers comfortable just with the idea of video in general. Mm -hmm. Like most of them didn't have external webcams, even at that point, right? Crazy. They didn't have decent microphones. They weren't used to video in general being a part of their process. And so we often had to get them comfortable with video and then comfortable with the idea of new ways they might record and send custom videos, not just use it for video calling. But fast forward to today, we've all moved on from that like, non-video in general issue, right? We're all embracing the idea of doing video calls as at least a starting point. So the nice thing is most conversations now start with, hey, our team is already starting to get fairly adept at doing video calls. So they've figured out the basics of having a camera, having okay lighting and communicating to people through live video calls. So that barrier to, uh, to adoption at least is, is gone. And so now the conversations are, all right, so I've got people that are comfortable at least looking into a lens. Now, how do we figure out new ways for them to use custom personalized recorded videos, which is a different format than live video, in their sales processes? And it's often the biggest challenge for people isn't necessarily hitting the record button and feeling okay recording. It's knowing what to say, when to use it effectively in their sales process. And it's often just that inspiration of, what am I going to do with this? Because now the tools are really simple. Like you hit record, you record a video and you like you send it in an email. It's literally that easy. And the cameras, lack of a camera isn't an issue. The issue now is, all right, what am I going to do with this? Because I've never, I haven't grown up recording and sending videos in my sales process. So a lot of our time is we do, we have onboarding teams, we have coaches that will train teams on, look, here are the top 10 places in a sales process where we're finding people having success recording and sending videos. And here's a library of examples of what other people are doing to help inspire you and give you your own ideas. And then we will often collaborate on making sure they've got an initial plan to say, this is where we're gonna start and this is how we're gonna train our reps. I'm super excited to get into that part. One quick thing I wanna touch on, cause I 
for anyone that's still listening, that might be a little skeptical of video still, you guys just did a bunch of a big study or some sort of report or something. Hmm. Do you have any stats you can share around like video and like is video for someone that might think that video is just kind of a trend that's yeah. going to disappear soon? Why should people be really invested in this and take it really seriously? Yeah. So um, there's some interesting, some interesting data, some interesting perspectives evolving out there, but I will prelude that with this notion that video isn't some other thing. It's not some other channel that it's like, oh, that channel, it's not like MySpace, right? It's not like, oh, that's a different channel that may or may not be here two years from now. Does anybody remember MySpace? I talked about BlackBerry. What was your profile? Dating what was your music? Um, <laughs> what was your profile song on your MySpace profile, Tyler? <laughs> Let's move on, J-Bay. So, <laughs> um, so video isn't this whole separate thing, right? Mm -hmm. Video is a way to deliver your message, to show something to a prospect through email, through social media, through whatever channels that you're using. So it's not something that's entirely separate from how you prospect and sell today. It is a new and in many cases more impactful and effective way to deliver your messages in those existing process and channels you have. And that's the first reason why I believe independent of any stats, why it's not just some weird fad. It's like, no, I mean, this is just a way that is gonna be another tool in our belt to communicate with people as we move ahead. Now, the reason that we're seeing, so some of the stats, since you asked, it won't surprise people to hear that year over year, we've seen multiple reports that have been validating the use of video in sales is growing exponentially. Our own study uh, that we commissioned through a third party recently showed that year over year, it's something we've been doing on an annual basis for a number of years. Year over year, there was a 93% increase in the number of businesses reporting that their sales teams are actively using video as part of their prospecting and selling cadence. So that was about double basically from the previous year. And so it probably doesn't surprise a lot of people because 2020 was the year of going virtual of everybody outside and field reps becoming inside. So video has now become an expectation of just about any seller. So there's lots to validate that. Forrester Research just released their predictions for 2021 and they have a, their top five predictions for B2B sales. One of those included that every B2B seller will need to become adept at using video, both live and custom recorded personalized videos, which was great to see at the analyst level that they're seeing that as well. And um, the other thing that excites us though, is that more and more sales teams are reporting success with video. Yep. So it's not just they're using it more, but many, um, and we've got some amazing stories that we've garnered from different teams that are reporting everything from two to three to five times higher response rates when using video as part of their outbound prospecting to others that are reporting shorter deal cycles and higher close rates since starting to not just use video in their sales process, but to actually adapt their sales process around this mentality of, oh, I can at different points throughout my cycle, record and send somebody videos like this. And actually it's a new strategy for how I get myself in front of distributed buyers and different stakeholders who I may never meet in a live meeting. So those that are actually adapting their strategies to embrace it and say, let's rethink the way that we sell, like the results are pretty mind blowing in some cases. We have folks that have seen a you know two to three and in the case of one, a four times higher close rate since incorporating videos into their process, not just live, but again, custom recorded ones. So that's the kind of stuff that really gets me fired up because we can all report all day long that we're doing more of something, but it's only gonna to continue to happen if people are genuinely reporting better results from it. And that's what we've really started to see spike in the last half of last year. 
Yeah, that's cool. So you guys just did the video awards and all that stuff. And I know you have a bunch of stories and things, but let's get into some of the what component of this. Like, what are some of the instances where if we start with prospecting, I, of course, have a lot of opinions on this, but <laughs> I want to hear from the video master. What are some of the places where people might use this in a prospecting context? And like, what are some of the, by the way, I forgot to mention this and I'll get back to this. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but Vidyard is becoming one of those terms where I just say, send them a Vidyard. I don't say send a video. Right. I send send a Vidyard, which is pretty cool. But you guys have, the cool part is that so many thousands of people use the platform that you get to see how they use it. And it starts, you start getting ideas no different than when I do trainings, I present a framework and then right. someone takes it in a different direction. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then I can share it with other people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious, what are you seeing from a prospecting standpoint? What, what kind of cool stuff are you seeing that's working for people these days? Yeah. And, and a lot of that. Uh, so some of it comes from generally what we see across, to your point, you know, thousands and thousands of, of users out there. And then part of this just it comes from feedback we're getting from them because we've got a team of people that works with a lot of these companies. Mm -hmm. And so we're continuously getting their feedback on what's working and what's not. And um, a few things that we've learned over the last few years, and particularly in 2020, is, um, you know, first and foremost is the idea of using, you know, personalized videos at, you know, one or more points in your outbound prospecting. And the reason I emphasize the word personalized is that we do see a lot of sellers who are saying, okay, I'll record a video where I do my typical pitch and then I'll include that video in my cadence. And every time I get to that point, I add that same video and send it in. And that's okay. You're at least now putting your face out there. And instead of delivering your message through a traditional text-based message, at least they're meeting you if they hit play. But the problem is it's still not necessarily adding any more value or context or credibility than just the email-based version of it, because you're really saying the same thing. And so the biggest thing I keep seeing is those that report the biggest success are always thinking about recording custom videos for key prospects, making sure that the message is personalized to them, and making sure that the visuals are also personalized for them, because that also comes through in the thumbnail image. That's the first thing they see. And it's a huge difference if you see a video from somebody that you've never met before, and it's just, their face on camera versus it's their face plus a custom message written on a whiteboard or something that says, hey, Jason, you know, increase your response rates, question mark, right? If you see that, you immediately know that this was made just for you. Your expectation of value is higher and you're more likely to engage with it. And that thumbnail image is it's a picture's worth a thousand words, right? Yep. Um, you immediately process that and pick up on a lot of cues. And so hyper-personalizing, whether it's styles like that or others that will do a screen share style video with their face on as well, but they've also got something up on their screen that again is personalized to that prospect. It might be their website. It might be their LinkedIn profile. It might be an article that they commented on recently. Or again, it could be something else of yours, but you know will be hyper-relevant to them. And so that's the biggest thing right now that I'm seeing is those that do take that little bit of time to say, I'm going to make a video just for my prospect, Jason Bay. I'm going to do something custom for him, and I'm going to send that over. And the biggest challenge with that is a lot of people start off feeling like it's inefficient. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my gosh, how can I make, you know, custom videos at scale? This is going to break me. But, you know, maybe that's another topic, which is how people are actually scaling that. But that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing as success right now is taking that time to make somebody a custom video. And I'm telling you the net effect it pays off in dividends from an overall efficiency perspective. What are some of the 
examples that you see of different types of videos. I mean, there were a bunch of cool ones that sound like submitted for the awards. So it's, it sounds like essentially like, hey, if I can customize this to the person and get creative with the thumbnail, that's really the key. I'm doing most of the heavy lifting there. What are some of the creative ways that people are doing that? Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a number of what I'd almost consider like repeatable templates that we've found have been successful across our community. And yeah. I actually have a full deck on like the top 10 or 12 video prospecting templates that we've learned. So if, if anybody out there listening or watching, if you want that deck, connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message and say, hey, send me that video prospecting template deck and I'm happy to share it with you. But you know, the kinds of things that I found that I present in there is there are a few different, what I would consider webcam style videos that end up becoming a part of your day-to-day, you know, sort of stock of, of the kinds of videos you use. And the nice thing is with any of these is once you figure out the motion of it, the general approach to it and what you say, they become really quick and easy to do. Yep. You know, it's like for the next person, it's the same message, it's the same style, but you're slightly tweaking it to them, right? And that's where you become efficient with it. So for example, many of us who have been doing this have already seen, you know, the first template, which is holding up a whiteboard on this, you know, in front of you with the person's name or something about their company on it. And holding that up during the beginning of your video as a way for them to visually see that you made this just for them. But that's usually like your introduction video. So if I'm holding one up now and it's I'm prospecting to you and I say, Jason, help you with response rates, question mark. You know, my typical pitch may be very similar to what I use in an email. Um, I'm going to quickly introduce myself. I'm going to tap into a pain point you might have, quickly allude to the value I can offer and have a quick call to action. And, you know, that for me becomes just a natural thing that I can do. And so I can do it for Jason Bay. I can then do it for anybody and wash, rinse, repeat. So that's kind of one style that we often see. The second is um, a screen share style video. And I alluded to this earlier. One is the classic LinkedIn hover video, which is where you go to your prospect's LinkedIn profile and you have it up on the screen and you hit record and your face shows up as well. But now when you deliver your message, Again, it becomes a repeatable message that you deliver, where for me, I might say, hey, Jason, Tyler Avidyard here. Now, I was on your LinkedIn profile, and I noticed that you are the head of revenue or the CRO or you know, the sales manager at company X. And I'm actually working with uh, about four or five others in the very same role at a couple of other companies to solve a big problem they have this year, which is response rates. They're getting, finding it harder than ever to get people to respond. And a few of them have actually started reporting two to three times higher response rates. And what they're doing is using a great tool by us to send videos as a way to stand out. Now, if you'd like to learn a little bit more, I'm happy to send you another quick video to show you exactly what I'm talking about so you can actually see what it looks like. Let me know if you'd be interested in that and I'm happy to send you that video. Thanks very much, right? So that's a typical narrative where the LinkedIn profile is up on the screen to capture your attention because you see that, you relate to it, you're more likely to watch it, but I've now used it as a pivot point into my message. And I'm using your title up on your LinkedIn profile as a way to say, I work with other people just like you, you can trust me. And uh, this is how I'm helping them. I'd love to help you in the same way. And the last little thing I mentioned there was a really neat little call to action at the end. Instead of asking you for a meeting, I'm asking you if I could send you another video to show you a bit more of what I'm talking about. And the reason I did that is because I know you've opted to watch a video in the first place. So you might be more likely to say, yes, send me another video because you're sort of self-selecting as somebody who might prefer to watch a video. And there's no burden back on you 
All you got to do is say, yeah, sure. Send me another video. And now it's back on me to deliver you more value. But when you get that second video, guess what? You're much more likely to watch it because you asked for it. You know, so it's one little sort of idea that we have there. So those are two examples of the whiteboard, the LinkedIn hover. There's the website hover where you bring up their website. And then there's the like hyper-personalized where you are doing something that is really specific and relevant to them that may be unique to your industry or your market. And I've got a couple of specific examples of those that we could talk through, Jason. Yeah, I want to point out the LinkedIn one that you said where you're essentially treating it like a two-step process. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important because, I mean, like you kind of think about the progression, right? You send someone a cold email and you ask for a meeting. How many seconds did it take them to read the cold email? So they invested, I don't know, 10 seconds, let's say, 15 seconds into reading that email, thinking about if they want to respond. And then they're being asked for a 30-minute investment of time. That's kind of a big leap. Well, hopefully it's 30 minutes or less. A lot of people are asking for an hour, which is crazy to me. They do an hour meeting with a very, I would never take an hour meeting the first time meeting someone. So the piece there, it's kind of interesting. And I've been playing around this with this a lot too, like where an email might say, hey, we're helping companies solve this problem. Is it cool if I send over some ideas to you? Right. And if it's hitting a pain point, people are like, yeah, I want to see some ways that people are using video to set meetings. And you send over a fire video that showcases your product, showcases success. And what, that is maybe a two or three minute video. That's probably not a very long video either. But now, like you said, I've opted in. You've allowed me to opt into it. And there's almost like this law of reciprocity, very old school, you know, behavioral science there around, hey, I did something for you. I'm adding value. And And the person feels a little bit more invested into that. Why don't you think people take that approach and go in for the kill so so quickly every time where it's like meeting, 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 just people hammer people for meetings. Why, why don't you think they do it like this and be a little bit more patient? Yeah, well, it's, you know, we, uh, a lot of us, you know, we're, we're selling into our quarterly quota and we yeah. know we have to book so many meetings and we're driven by a metric, which is meetings booked, mm-hmm. right? And then conversions from that. And so I, I think for a lot of folks, there's just that mentality of like my whole you know, mission in life right now is to book meetings. And so they are always, you know, that's always their ask because they're like, well, how am I going to get a meeting if I don't ask for a meeting? So every time they're asking for a meeting, but again, as somebody who receives so much prospecting myself, I mean, I can tell you that whenever I am asked for, I've never responded to somebody asking me for a meeting with an answer of yes, Yeah. right? My only response I ever respond to somebody who asked me for a meeting will be, what you mentioned might be interesting. Could you send me a bit more information that I could check out offline, Yeah. right? And then they always respond back saying, well, could we you know, first chat about it? And they're always, right? Yeah. Every time they still come back and say, actually, do you think we could have that meeting? You know, if they do that, I often... I like unsubscribe. I'm like, you lost your chance, right? But the ones that actually come back and go, yeah, no problem. Here's something up for two minutes to show you what we're all about, right? Let me know what you think, right? Those are the ones I actually engage with because again, I feel like you're actually trying to help me. You're respecting my time and the approach I would rather take. But I'll tell you, Jason, the best way to do that is not to just then send over a canned piece of content, right? Which is, you know, sort of your instinct would be, Hey, great. They said they would love to see my demo video. I'm going to send them my off-the-shelf demo. What's better is you then recording a quick video, walking through something, right? Short, but doing so because now you can put it in their language. You can, again, weave in how you think their company specifically could best do something like this. But more importantly, you're putting your face out there and they're getting to know you 
as they watch your video. And by the end of the video, they now know you as the person, not just the product or the brand, right? And that's so powerful. And so that's where I'm like, some of these award winners we were talking about, that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, yeah, I've got an off-the-shelf product explainer for that, but I'm going to take three minutes to record it myself and to you know explain it to you for the very fact that I want you to get more FaceTime with me. Because we've never even met. We haven't gotten on a call yet. But if you get to know me, then I have a much better chance that you will actually further on in a conversation. And I think that's a really important idea. What's interesting is this, is this has been something I've been thinking about a lot too, is when you think about the mindset behind what you're talking about, it's really this, like, how can I be more of a consultant instead of a salesperson? Where do you think that mindset comes from? Because especially like an executive like yourself, if someone can bring some intel to you and show you that there's a hole at the bottom of the ship, you know, kind of thing, like, hey, you might be losing some water here or the mechanic approach, I call it too, where it's like, hey, I, we have this really laser focused expertise and there might be something, you're probably on top of it, but in case you didn't know this thing's going on, yep. where does that mindset come from? How can a rep, you think, or a sales leader really kind of instill in their team that like, that's what you're doing. Like you're professional problem solvers yeah. and you're out there helping people identify these big business problems, not, Hey, we sell video tools and uh, you can send videos to your prospects. It's, it's super cool. And you get more meetings, right. but like what, how does this fit into the grand scheme of what that person in the business will really care about? Yeah. Oh man. I wish I had a magic answer because it blows my mind. Mm -hmm. It genuinely blows my mind, Jason, how few sellers live up to that concept of your job is to help people, yep. not to sell to people, right? And it's because, again, a lot of it comes back to how they're measured and quota and you know activity-centric measurement, things like that. But honestly, I think we are in the age where every, you know, I myself am a marketer and every marketer and every seller, your job is 100% to help people solve problems and to help solve them the best way they can. And by the way, you have the ability to help them solve it in the best way, right? Your competitors don't, you do, right? And so you have to believe in that. You have to start by honestly having that mindset of saying, number one, my job here is to help people solve these problems. And number two, I absolutely, with conviction, am the best person to help them solve that problem with our product, our service, and the knowledge that I have. Now, I know that some of you listening are, Maybe you're a new sales rep, you're a sales development rep who's, you know, you've only been in this for six months. You're not a product expert, but I guarantee you, you know more about your business than your prospects do. You know more about how they can be successful with what you do than they do. And it's because you've had the benefit of exposure to your own customer stories, to others in your organization. Through osmosis, you are an expert. So it starts with that just mental approach of I'm here to help. And I am the best person to help these people. And then it follows through in how it is you approach your messaging, your outreach, and truly taking that empathetic approach. A person that I admire greatly that um, has a great book and, and content on this is uh, a woman named Lisa Earl McLeod. And she wrote a book called Selling with Noble Purpose. And her whole philosophy is around building out a sales team that truly believes in the purpose of the organization, your noble purpose, yeah. which is to help people be better, to succeed, to save money, to whatever it is, and building a sales culture around that and focusing more, celebrating the wins of how you helped people and the results they saw 
as opposed to the dollar value of a deal, right? We all ring a big bell when we sell a $50,000 or $100,000 deal. But when was the last time you rang a bell? Because a customer sent you a message saying, you guys just saved us $100,000 because of your solution, yeah. right? That's when you should ring the bell. And that's what everybody should know about. And that should be your goal as a seller is to help people achieve those results. And if you have that mindset and you train your people in that way, then the methodology and the messaging can come from it. Yeah, that's really good. It almost makes me think about too when you're prospecting, you're kind of advocating on behalf of your customers. Yeah, that's what you're doing is you're sharing what your customers are doing to win. Yeah. One other thing I want to touch on before we kind of get into some of the other ways that we're using Vita, because you brought this up earlier and it was this like, your product, like really knowing the product inside and out. And I'm just curious, what do you guys do at Vidyard for that? I don't know. Does the BDR team, are they managed by marketing or does it roll up under sales for you guys? How does that work for you guys? Uh, it rolls up under sales in, in our organization. Okay. And uh, we have two teams. We have a team called our concierge team, mm -hmm. which are what we would typically call like a sales development rep team. The concierge team handles all of our inbound leads and active leads. And we intentionally call them concierges instead of SDRs because their role is to help, right? Like a concierge, mm -hmm. right? They can point you in the right direction. They can answer key questions, make sure you're- being I wanna to talk to a concierge. I don't wanna to talk to an SDR, you know? Like, I love that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we have a concierge team and then we do have a business development team and the business development team is, uh, is largely doing outbound. You know, for them, there's a little bit of, for us, we have the benefit of, they get the chance to use our product consistently themselves mm -hmm. since, if you haven't caught on yet listening, Vidyard has a tool for recording and sending custom videos as part of your sales process. So we have the luxury of our reps learning through osmosis and using our tools. I think for any of you out there where if you are selling something that you yourself don't use on a consistent basis, I mean, I 100% encourage you to make sure you are scheduling time on whatever it is, a monthly, quarterly, whatever it is basis to force yourself to just get exposure into your product or service and allocate a bit of that time. It might be, you might already be doing it as a sales team where you've got product training, but even product training in the traditional sense is very much like information delivery as opposed to like, hey team, we're literally gonna spend an hour inside of our product today. Like, yeah, I know we sell HR software and you aren't HR people, but you're gonna to pretend to be HR people today. And we're gonna achieve a typical task that one of our customers would. Yeah. And we're gonna spend the next hour, all of us together in the tool and you're clicking buttons and you're gonna see how it is that somebody does X, right? And build that into how you actually create your sales process. So that continuous exposure to it and actually having people be in there and, and be using it. So that's probably my biggest takeaway. Again, we have the luxury of our reps getting to use it on a daily basis. The last piece I would suggest is back to that result-oriented mentality is be disciplined in having your reps share micro stories, not just the big case studies, mm -hmm. but ongoing micro stories of how different customers use the product and saw success with it, yeah. not just sharing sales wins, right? We all fall into that trap as sellers. We like, that's what we're sending. We're like, close this deal, rah, rah, rah. They thought this, blah, blah, blah. I tricked them into this and they bought more, right? That's the stuff that we tend to celebrate, but get back into that, like do more sharing on like, I just heard from this customer, they use this to do this and they had this amazing result. Those things I think are more interesting and help us learn again through our customers of how they're actually using our solution, not just what they bought. Yeah, dude, that's such a great insight because people are hungry to know what other people are like them are doing. Oh yeah. 
And that's the thing that you can do as a sales professional is really like this transfer of information Yeah. between like what other people like them are doing. Because I mean, even like I think about a Vidyard, if, if you know what hundreds of other or thousands of other sales development or BDR teams are doing to get meetings, you know what other BDR managers and VPs of sales want to know what those folks are doing right now and how they're leaning meetings. All those little stories, right? The case studies, but as well as these micro stories, they end up feeding into like those become conversation points for you as a seller, yep. right? You can't necessarily use people's you know names and private information, but you know, like time and again, our reps will, you know, I'll hear them like after our awards go and all of a sudden our reps are like, you know, I wanted to share this great story. You know, somebody just like you, they did this amazing video and they booked more meetings. I think this could help you. Here's a link to their video. And I'm like, rock and roll, right? Like all of a sudden they've got this other story that they're weaving into it. And they only know that because we're sharing the results and the success, not just again, what they bought in the first place. So that just comes down to a little bit of like creating a culture of that, giving people channels to do it, right? Like we use Slack out the wazoo for these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. We have wind channels and we have, um, yeah, like little success story channels where people are actively sharing these things. And, and I think it's a great way to do it. Quick question on stories, because that's something I've been really thinking a lot about from a prospecting standpoint. Yep. Is there, like video is obviously an awesome medium to tell a story because like you can get this kind of stuff in there, right? You can yep. hear inflection and like all that other stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that you see around storytelling, around like these snippets? I mean, this might sound like a really basic question, yeah. but what is the format of a good story that's told in three sentences? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what are the components of that so that when someone goes to share it in a video, they can be like, okay, cool, I need to share this thing and then this thing, you know, for it to make sense to the prospect. Like what are the components of a good customer story? Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's the traditional um, hero's journey sort of story arc, yep. which, you know, you can Google if you want to. It's a pretty straightforward concept, right? It's like every Disney film you've ever watched. There's, uh, you know, it starts with the initial character. There's your protagonist and uh, and then there's a problem, right? It always starts with the problem. And then there's a bit of a journey that they go on. There's some lessons learned. And then there's, you know, the heroic action that happens to resolve the big problem and everybody's happy, right? Pretty simple concept. We all get that. But, you know, from how we tell a story in sales, that's the formula, right? It is all about solving the pain, not aspiring to the gain. The best stories never start with Jason Bay was the CEO at Blissful Prospecting, and he just wanted to earn even more money. <laughs> and so he, right, like, it's like, wait a minute here. I don't, wait a minute. I don't have any, I don't have any, yeah. any concern for poor Jason here, right? It starts with, you know, Jason had just started up his own new business and, you know, he had these great aspirations, but, and then you're like, but what, but what, right? Like, yeah. and so I think, again, we can teach ourselves to, and a lot of the sellers do it already, right? Like we talk about, you know, this problem and I can help you solve that problem. But I think that's the foundation of it. But the other thing I would consider you to try to be conscious of is there's a difference between a customer story or a testimonial, mm -hmm. which is usually, it's actually more about you, right? It's about the success yeah. they've had with your capabilities. It's like, I want to tell you about this person. And you start by, they achieved 80%, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm already tuned down, right? Like you're selling me, right? Like that's, that's a sales approach to it. Take a bit of a nuance on that and say, instead of a customer story, tell your customer's story, Yeah. right? What is their story? And their story doesn't start with, they saw 80% higher conversion rate and 200% more revenue. No, no, no. That wasn't the start of their story. That was the end of their story. Yeah. Their story, right, is this person, right? They're just like you. And six months ago, 
their pipeline was in the toilet because their response rates were absolutely shattered due to COVID. So we started working on a couple of ideas and you wouldn't believe what they discovered. Well, they started sending out a video like the one I'll show you in a minute. And they immediately found that people it was resonating with people. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil the end of the story here because, you know, we can talk about that later, but this has become a really meaningful part now of their sales process. And I would just, I would love to show you an example of one of those videos that they did that saw success with them, right? So that's their story. It's not my story. And that's a little nuance that you can use to make sure you're telling something that people will actually care about and they'll believe in as opposed to that's helping instead of selling. Yeah. Have you uh, checked out Donald Miller's uh, story brand? No. That framework? No. That's pretty good. It's like kind of an abbreviated version of the hero's journey right. in a business context where it's like you got character problem and then you have the guide. Yeah. Right. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make when they're selling and prospecting and marketing is they make their thing the the hero right. of Not the hero's the journey instead of the guide, you yeah. know, kind of thing. What you shared there was brilliant though, that starting with what's the problem that this person is having. And I think that, I don't know, this is another really overlooked thing for some reason along the lines of storytelling is like with your reps and your team, have them, like they need to know all of your case studies and success stories from customers. Like they need to know those things inside and out. And like, you need to review them. Yeah. You should be quizzing people on your one-on-ones. Hey, Tyler, what customer story can you tell me about that you learned this week? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, well, tell me how, like, what happened? And you could practice, like, I find that people are really bad at explaining things, which makes them really bad at prospecting, which makes them even worse, you know, sharing a video. I just wanted to get your take on that. I, I want to get, I know we got some more stuff to talk about on the selling side of things. Yeah. What are some of the ways that people are using uh, Vidyard during the sales process after they've already landed the first meeting? Okay. So uh, we've got some prospecting ideas there and uh, okay. Yeah. You've got that first meeting. I think there's a lot of interesting things that we're seeing people do to now try to almost reduce their dependency on the meetings in their sales process and to make sure that the meetings they do have end up being as hyper valuable as possible. So I'll give you an example. And this comes from how some of our you know, clients are using it. So Jason, you, you know, I prospected you. Um, you said, wow, I love that. This looks really interesting. You know what? Let's chat, you know, next, uh, let's chat on, on Thursday. So in the, tip, in the traditional world, you booked it and now you wait until Thursday and you may send them that reminder that are like, hey, looking forward to chatting with you later to make sure they show up. But what I would do is on Wednesday or Tuesday, I would send you a video, um, not just a regular email to remind you who I am. And uh, I would send you a video, Jason, with, you know, answers to two or three questions that I get in every first discovery call, right? Like every discovery call, the first 10 minutes, we always talk about these two things. Tell you what, I'm going to do a bit of assignment selling and I'm going to give you a short assignment and I'm going to send you an email and say, Jason, to make the most of our time on Thursday, I'm hoping you can watch this, you know, three minute video because I'll answer a couple of questions you're probably going to have. And then I also want to make sure that we're both going to get the most out of our meeting time. And then you click play and I answer those two big questions. I'm like, look, the first thing, that most prospects ask me are this. Um, and I wanted to make sure you understood that this or this or that. Second thing is everybody always asks me about pricing. And I just want to head that off at the pass and let you know, we have a variety of different pricing packages. It's never one size fits all, but it is transparent on our website if you want to go take a look at it before our call. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask you is if you could make sure when our call happens that you could come prepared with this one thing. 
so we can make sure we're very productive with it. And that one thing is this, right? And we, we often have different things. You know, in our cases, we may want to know what sales engagement platform is your team using? Because depending on what that is, we may integrate it in some way and it may become a point of conversation. So you get it. This sort of the pre-meeting assign, um, um, FAQ slash assignment video. And the reason it's more impactful to do that as a video than just the bullet points in an email is, again, it's getting you FaceTime with them, you know, before that even that first call, which in and of itself makes them more likely to join that meeting. Okay, so that's one. Now you have the meeting and then a bunch of great stuff happens, great discovery. And then we all go, okay, we're going to book the next meeting. And then that meeting is going to happen and we're going to book another meeting. And like nothing happens between the meetings. Well, like that's a very meeting centric mindset, which is like people want to self-serve, right? Like they don't want everything to be hit linchpinned to a live meeting. So what I would rather do is I'd have that discovery meeting. And then later that afternoon, the next day, two days later, I'm going to send you a couple of things to answer some of the questions that came up or to show you some things, right? And it's going to be, Jason, what a great discussion. As I learned, you guys use outreach as your sales engagement tool. So I wanted to share with you a quick overview video of how we integrate with outreach. So you've got that right off the bat here. And I've got one off the shelf I'm going to share with you, but I want to introduce it to you. So I send you that little demo video. And then two days later, I might send you something else. And by the time that next meeting happens, you're actually way further along the buying cycle and that next meeting isn't talking about these basics. That next meeting is now you validating, all right, all this stuff looks really cool. Let's talk about pricing, right? Yeah. So there's like micro videos, there's like quick little snippets of demos, you know, answering common questions, all these little things that we can do throughout the rest of the process. That's cool, man. I love the uh, this concept of reducing dependency on the meetings. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm thinking about there's a couple of prospects even that I've been working the last couple of months where it's like two weeks between calls because, you know, they, they got to get stuff done on their end right. to figure out how the training will fit in. Well, that's an opportunity for me to send a couple helpful things that they could just pass on to their sales Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, you guys Absolutely. said that you need help with cold calls. Here's something I was working on with a client. Here's a couple intros that you guys could try. Check it out between now and our next meeting. And now they're getting a little bit of a taste of that, you know? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. And here's one more uh, one more idea for you, which I've seen people doing is being mindful that even when those meetings do happen, depending on what you sell and who you sell to, there's a reasonable chance that different stakeholders that you're going to have to get buy-in from aren't going to be on those live meetings. And so what a lot of people will do is, great, we're going to do our demo meeting, right? And we're going to do a Zoom call and we're going to demo for an hour and my champion is going to be there. And at the end of that, I'm going to send over the hour-long Zoom recording for you to forward around to other people that may want to watch. Guess how many people watch that freaking hour-long Zoom meeting? Right? A big fat zero. A big fat zero. Let's be yeah. honest, right? Um, so what I would do is after that meeting, I would book off half an hour on my calendar if this is an important account. And I would then record a very condensed version of the key things we talked about there that I think other stakeholders are going to care about, right? So I'm going to go... Hey, it was great chatting with you today. I wanted to share some of the highlights from our meeting and show you a few of the things again that we walked through that seemed of most interest. And you almost record them, you know, a five to 10 minute custom version of the big highlight points of what you covered. And you send that to your champion and you ask them, can you forward this around to the other stakeholders so they can all get caught up to speed? And instead of sending an hour long Zoom call that they're gonna have to find their way through, this is like a customized 10 minute demo that, like, why wouldn't they watch that, right? Like, there's a greater expectation of value. So, like, lots of little things like that where yeah. we kind of transform our way of thinking and go, yeah, like, because there's going to be more distributed buyers, too, because they're not all in the office together. 
So how do I make sure I get my face in front of them and, and keep them in the loop? This is the number one play I used to. Yeah. It's don't count on your champion as much as he or she is invested in. Don't count on them to explain the value to their boss yeah. or to another department. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like you can you can easily do that. Um, hey, we're out of time, man. What? We are going to have to do another episode soon. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, so where can people go to check out more about Vidyard? What do you guys have going on? What do you want to let people know to check out in regards to what you're up to personally and, yeah. you know, with Vidyard? Oh, let me count the ways. So uh, first and foremost, if you're not yet using a tool to record and send videos for prospecting for anywhere else, you can use Vidyard for free. You just go to vidyard.com slash free. You can sign up. You can send as many videos as you want forever and try this out for yourself. So there's no barrier to entry there. There's lots of great tools. So start there if you're not already doing this. The second thing is uh, you can find it on Vidyard's website on our resource center. We have something called our Video Selling Masterclass. And it's a series of videos that walk you through all the fundamentals, a lot of the things we talked about here of how to use video in different parts of your sales process and tips on different styles, formats, and things like that. So it's worth the, it's like 25 minutes of content that goes really specific and deep and visual into how to sell with video. So that would be my recommendation on where to go. And uh, you can find lots of other resources on Vidyard's blog. And the last thing is just connect with me online. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Tyler Lassard, L-E-S-S-A-R-D. Uh, at Vidyard, you'll find me, connect with me, and uh, send me a note if you want those video prospecting templates I mentioned earlier, or if there's any other questions I can help with. That's what I'm here for. That was a fun interview. I always like enjoy jamming with Tyler. It's always fun. One of the big things that I took from this is that confirmation video I thought was kind of cool where you send something in advance to the prospect. So this is really applicable even if you're an SDR or a BDR and you're not doing that first sales call, send a confirmation video to the prospect, answer some frequently asked stuff and ask them to come with something prepared so that they can have a really good discussion with your AE. That's something that I took away that I want to start using. So I would love to hear from you what your biggest takeaways are. Let me know, leave a short review on iTunes. Let me know what you think. And I appreciate you tuning in, it means a lot. We'll talk to you soon.